Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and enjoying into the back half of the 50 most relevant. Number 23 today, Fremantle's Nat Fife is who we are talking about, and my goodness me, he's as relevant as they come. Maybe you haven't considered him. Maybe some things have turned you off in this preseason. Regardless, we've got to have a good chat about Nat Fife. Joining me on the podcast, as he has right throughout the preseason, you've heard him talking about other previous Fremantle players like Caleb Sarong, Hayden Young. Don't worry, he's done other Fremantle players. So when I tease that he's coming up again soon, it won't be a Fremantle player, or will it? Anyway, enough of that. Mini Mark is back on the podcast. Hello, buddy. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, keen to chat about a player that's probably been in and out of a few preseason sides, depending on the news that's filtered through on any given week. And he's an interesting prospect for the 2023 season. There's a lot to like about him. Yeah, there certainly is. And again, remember, this is the 50 most relevant, not the 50 highest scorers, not the 50 greatest cash generators. It's about relevancy and it does factor in dream team, super coach and AFL fantasy. And in that format that we mentioned last, while he could be a reasonable performer, the value based on what he can do and what he has done based on his price point is certainly much higher in the other two formats. Let's talk about him. He is one of the big name DPP additions that we picked up from champion data in the off season. The 31 year old Docker is now a mid forward and it's been a few years since he's been that his highest score last year. It's not great reading 89 in dream team and fantasy against the saints in that same game in super coach though, it was a 96. They are nothing compared to some of his historical brilliance. 150 game against the Adelaide Crows in 2015. Uh, if you remember that game at Adelaide Oval, he and Patrick Dangerfield going full blow for blow UFC style. It was amazing. Well, the year earlier in Supercoach, a 171. He was good. Like real good. Let's talk about yeah. his average. Let's talk about his average before I let you really loose on him. 56.1 in fantasy and dream team, not 63.3 in Supercoach, And he has been priced nicely because of it. 313,000 in Supercoach. That is not a starter. 450Ks just over that in DT, just a touch under 700,000 in fantasy. You might look at that and go, man, what's the pricing there? Remember, AFL Fantasy will award the discount to the higher of the two prior seasons, which means... It's not on that seasonal average of 56. Rather, it's on what he did the year before when he went 84.4. Mini Monk, I know you love your Dockers, but for the better part of a decade now, Nat Fife at full flight, there's not much better things in the AFL, is there? There really isn't. I mean, he's a dual Brownlow medalist. He's a phenomenal midfielder. He he really just has the ceiling in stupid coach that you want. Maybe not so much in AF and DT, uh, but he's still proven to be a scorer in those formats where he's averaged over 100 on quite a few years. And he had a stretch of nine consecutive years in Supercoach where he cracked the ton. And he's coming in priced at what, 313K in Supercoach. And, <laughs> yeah. and in Dream Team, he's priced at 450. Yeah, I mean, that's lots of value for a player that can potentially become a top six forward 
if the cards fall his way. I mean, in in AFL fantasy, the price is a bit off-putting because of the way they do their Absolutely. pricing, and that's understandable. But the other thing to note about Fife is he's not a player that you just have to say, right, he's a starter option or he's not an option at all. That's true. He is a player that you can consider at points through the year. I mean, he's playing forward in, in match sim at the moment. Does that mean he's going to be playing forward for the entirety of 2023? Well, certainly not. He's shown that he can play midfield at the best of levels. I mean, yeah. he hasn't won his Brownlow medals by playing forward. He's run them by playing through the midfield. Yeah, he's been exceptional over a long period of time since 2011 to 2020 you're right a 95 to 105 average in afl fantasy and dream team and in super coach nine of those 10 seasons averaging 100 plus three going over 119 we'll get to 2022 in a second but even in 2021 where he wasn't at his best he still averaged the ton in super coach uh eight scores individually over 100 plus five over 120 an additional five over 90 so two-thirds of that 2021 year 90 plus remember you're paying for him at a fraction of that price point in dream team and fantasy an average of 84 in dream team and fantasy five tons and another five scores over 80 but let's talk about this 2022 season nothing really went right for him did it mini monk from failing to get over 90 and dream team and fantasy last year and failing to hit the ton the first time in his entire afl career he didn't hit a ton in super coach in an individual season played just seven games combination of some hamstring injuries during the year some back surgery in the preseason he even missed the dockers finals campaign man nothing actually worked for him in 2022 did it no, nothing really, dear. He comes into the preseason and he's injured and you're thinking maybe he's missing a month, maybe he's missing six games, but he doesn't play until nearly the bye. Comes in in round 13, has the game against the Hawthorne Hawks and, you know, starts to get into it a bit, gets a little bit of rhythm, plays six games, spending a lot of time up forward, a little bit of time in the midfield, getting about 15 20% CBAs and then gets injured again. And, you know, comes back in round 23, plays the one game, but then gets injured again and misses the finals, as you say. So the concern with Fife coming into 2023 is, you know, one, what is his role going to be? Is he going to be spending a lot of time up forward and not much time in the midfield? And two, is his injury history? Well, I mean, for the time being, he's fit. He he hasn't missed a session in the preseason so far. He's been... Absolutely killing it by all reports. And obviously there's going to be a lot of media around that. You've got a player who's coming back from injury. He's the captain and may continue to be the captain to the next mm-hmm. year. The club wants to put out a lot of positive press about that. But then all the training reports are saying he's playing forward. And that's led to a lot of people kicking them out of their sides. I mean, he came in, especially in Supercoach at a price where everyone's like, that's very juicy. Mm-hmm. I can start him. And then they see he's training forward and they're like, oh, I don't really want a piece of that. And he's straight back out. But you've got to think, you've got a player who's a dual Brownlow medalist playing yep. in the midfield. He's done mm-hmm. it for 10 years of his career and he's going to be spending a bit more time up forward. Where are you going to spend your preseason training him? In the midfield where he already knows what to do and it's second nature 100%. for him? Or up forward where he's going to need to show what he can do, improve his skills with his overhead marking, his mm. set shot on goal and mesh into that forward line. I mean, it's a no-brainer that they're playing him up forward during training. I mean, you want him train him up forward and then you can flick him into the midfield when you need to ignite that switch. When you need a burst from a player that can absolutely turn it on for a quarter, you just 
put him in there and he just let him do his thing. He can absolutely tear a game apart in the space oh, of 20 minutes. Absolutely. When there's a, a ball to be won, when the game is on the line, you put your best players in the positions where they can dominate the most. And a fit and healthy Nat 5, I mean, even at his age of 31, you are still putting him up pound for pound against any other clearance player in the competition. He's that good. And, and you're right. It's not just about him with the craft. It's the Fremantle forward six, seven, eight, learning to function around him too when he's there. So for me, I, I look at it as historically, he's got one of the best 90 plus scoring capacities in fantasy and dream team and hundred up to 120 in super coach. He's a forward eligible. So you're not having to, choose is it hopper is it sheed is it fife you could actually pick him in a different position and then you think about the value we have him at he's priced at an average of 57 in super coach he's capable of more than doubling that he's priced at an average point of 50 in dream team and fantasy he'll need a lot to go his way and we'll talk about that a little more in a second but he's capable of more than doubling that while in AFL fantasy, as Mini Monk's already alluded to a little bit, priced at a 77. So not as much juice or fat on the bone in terms of wanting to select him, but still very, very open if you're desperate in there. I wouldn't probably go there, but I see why you would. You made this interesting comment uh, right at the top of the podcast, Mini Monk, and I think people might have glossed over it or not really picked up um, the gold you just dropped for people. You made this statement of, Normally with a player of his scoring potential, injury, price, even value, it would be a start or fade. But you said he's someone you could still trade into during the season. Talk us through that from a strategic perspective, both with the volume of trades we have and also what would be the things you're looking for to give your reason to trade into him. I mean, with the way that... Supercoach and Dream Team are coming out with more trades, trade boosts so that you can pivot on players much easier. It's okay to be able to ride a guy for five, six weeks if they've got a hot run of form, a nice stretch of fixtures, and get 150, 200K out of them in a very short manner. And Fife is the type of player where he can have a six or seven week stretch where he pumps out 105 in Supercoach and 95 to 100 in AFL Fantasy. Yeah. We only have to look back to 2021, to the start of the season there, to see that. He he is a phenomenal player when it's his day. And if he goes on a hot run, he can just absolutely turn it on. I mean, he won the 2015 Brownlow essentially in half a season. That's, That's how good of a player he is. <laughs> That's true. And so then you've got to figure out, why, right, where is the opportunity for him to be able to turn it on? And fixtures mm. help with that, but then there's opportunity. So Freo are going to run a very tight midfield group and and any Freo watcher should be able to tell you that they're probably going to be running Brody, Sarong, um, Brayshaw, O'Meara and maybe a little bit of a spluttering of you know Erasmus, Fife will get a little bit in there, Johnson depending on who's playing mm -hmm. but if you get an injury to one of those core four 100% who's the first player that you're going to want to put in you're going to want to put in the experienced head who knows how to steady the ship who can get the ball inside and outside and that's Fife yeah. He will be the first one in there if an injury occurs mid-game, between games, and that's when you can jump on. If you're worried about starting him and you think he's not going to be able to outperform his price point to start the season, which I completely get in AFL Fantasy. Yeah, I do um, too. But, he's, but in Supercoach and Dream Team, I think he has at least five to 10 points, if not 15, 
if he's playing forward of upside. But if you see that role change coming up at any point in the season, mm. all you've got to think about is what can Fife do as a pure midfielder? Yeah, And that's the point where you can jump on because role changes is one of the biggest reasons why people change their scoring. You only have to look back to last year. I mean, Darcy Cameron goes into rock time, example. starts popping monster scores. Kadeen Coleman, who's been playing as like a key-ish defender, comes back, it's a re- rebounding halfback defender role. Increase in scoring from his previous year. Mm-hmm. Five, absolutely the type of player that can do it. And he will probably get it at some point in the season. There'll be a yeah. couple of games through 2023 where he gets 60, 70% CBAs and he will pop a monster score. You can ride the break even on those particular games. 100%. But yeah, he's definitely someone you have to keep an eye out because any player that can average over 100 in Supercoach for a nine-year stretch and average, you know, 90 to 100 in AFL Fantasy over the same stretch and comes in at the price that he comes in at is a player that's relevant for the season. Yeah, if you're ruling him out for injury risk now, well, then he's out for you for the season, regardless of what Mini Monk has just said because of that role move. If he's not in consideration for you because you're worried about that role, okay, well, watch list him. Keep an eye on him because, as he said, he's got the capacity to score right towards the top of the tree of what it means to be a top forward premium. Remember, he's not battling it out to be a 120-110 mid like he has been previously. The bar is lower by 10, 15, sometimes even up to 20 points per game from the top end mids right through to the top end forwards. Put him into contrast. Let's let's focus just purely on Supercoach for a moment. He's mm-hmm. priced $100,000 more than the most expensive cash cow this year. He's priced cheaper than Dom Sheed and Jacob Hopper, who we've had already featured in the 50 most relevant. And when it comes to super coach, I always take impact players that are good players in good teams over good players in poor teams or not so good players in great teams. And so for me, I'm really keeping an eye on him in Supercoach. I think if that's the format you choose to play in and Fife still not a consideration in a watch list, I think you're missing a trick. I understand the fade in fantasy and even in dream team to an extent. Structurally, you might be like, you know what, to get the guns I want, I need to populate it with some cows to get me through. That's totally fine. I get that. But here's the thing in Supercoach. I think most people, Mini Monk, would say Dunkley's the clubhouse leader, probably in all formats, but certainly yeah. as super coach, um, as the number one forward. If I said the number one forward in 2023 scored 115 as their seasonal average, and it wasn't Josh Dunkley, and it's a player we know that has forward status already, there's only a couple of names you could do the pickle test and throw it on the window and, and it sticks And Fife is one of those guys. And so while it's more unlikely than likely, he's got the capacity in Supercoach to be the number one forward if it all breaks his way. He's got the capacity to be able to do it because he's done it before. Not once, not twice, but three times. He's averaged over 120 in Supercoach. He's a beast. And he's a forward. And he's a player that's playing in a good team And he's Mm -hmm. going to be playing every single game that he's fit. He's going to be one of the first selected for the Dockers when he's fit. And he comes in at a price that's just completely unders what he's done for basically his entire career since his debut season. 
except for last year where he was battling injury the entire time. And you can tend to, you can write the narrative that he is an injury prone player, doesn't often play all the games in the year, but he doesn't have to. You, if you want to write him for his cash, you only have to write him for five to six weeks. You only need to get him for that five or six weeks. And as you say, if you think that he's injury prone, start him or don't start him at all, or don't pick him at all rather. Yep. But I don't think that that's the narrative. I mean, he's he said himself he wants to come back. He wants to come back fitter than ever. He's worked hard. They gave him the rest that he needed to get his body fit, get his body into the right shape that it needs to be. I mean, you only have to look back at the preseason picture they posted him. <laughs> he looks jacked. And he's so you, you look at him and you think, if he can go for a six-week stretch at 100 yep. in Supercoach, that's a win. 100%. And he can potentially go at 120 if he gets that midfield time. I mean, geez, you, you just, if you get him at any Ooh. point of the season before that stretch, you are just rocketing up the rankings. It's potentially a competition winning move. And they will be. Yeah. Um, that they'll see the role, they'll know the injury history, they'll not think in dream team and fantasy. Uh, only as a mid could he pop 90s. He won't be a full time mid solo void. We're not saying that. What we are saying is, watch list watch what he does see what the season presents in dream team and super coach you have nearly double the trades you used to than when i first started playing dream team and super coach a decade ago you used to have to complete your team with 20 trades you're almost double that it's much closer to afl fantasy where you can do as Minnie Monk has said, four, five, six-week runs of a player, flip and run, flip and run, flip and run. And so even if you're not starting him, you're considering him at various points of the year because as Minnie Monk has really well pointed out, one injury, one variable change, even one combination of the mids that isn't working, and Fife, the Brownlow medal piece goes back in, and all of a sudden we could have a start on our hands. Let's talk draft day, though, Mini Monk. I, I feel like that the concern of injury and forward heavy training role will cause people to really fade on him based on what he could be. Uh, where do you see him going on draft day? I'm presuming it's different across the formats given his super coach pedigree. Yeah, it will be different across the formats. And he's not the type of player that's going to get a lot of um, salary cap hype. Even though his price is appealing, even though there's some that will jump onto him, the salary cappers will probably be staying away from him too a little bit. And so will good drafters as well. They'll see his injury history. They'll see his potential for playing a forward role. And someone will want to pick him and say, oh, I think he has upside. But there'll be a lot of people that'll be scared off by that because in drafts, you really need a player to be available for majority of the season. Your best, your best ability is your availability, as they, they quite often say. But if you've got a player that has the ability to be at the top of his line, you've got to be considering him at some point in the early-ish rounds, middle rounds. Yeah, yep. A comparable example might be someone like Aaron Hall, who has a lot of injury risk. There's a lot of concerns about his role as well, but you'd still draft him as a defender. 100%. So I think in Supercoach, he probably goes somewhere in the F3 range because yeah, he presents right. so much upside. And if he fails, then you're not losing out a huge, huge amount picking him at that totally. point. And then in AFL Fantasy, you're probably going a little bit later, probably at around yeah. about the F4 range. Because again, he has the ability, not quite as high of a ceiling in, in AFL Fantasy in Dream Team, yeah. but it doesn't have to be. And at that point, if it goes badly, you're not going to be burnt that much. You, you're looking to 
probably pick up waiver guys through your F4, F5 positions most of the time of the year anyway. So I think it's a low risk point to pick him at for someone who has a lot of upside. Yeah, I'm spot on with you. Hey, Minimunk, has always made a pleasure to have you on these podcasts. Thanks for having me. And it was good to have a chat about a player who's, you know, quite often a lot of the players you bring me on for are being ignored a little bit by the community. And I think that there's a little bit more to the, the Nat5 role and, and, and value than people are thinking about coming into 2023. I think you're right. And I, I think what you've done too is help just open some people's minds and eyes up to the possibility uh, of what he could do in 2023. If you want to go and read the article on that or any of the other players we've revealed so far, the good news is you can go and check them out at coachespanel.tv. That is where all the players have been revealed so far. While you're there, you can also join our Patreon supporter group for just a couple of dollars a month. You can get access to some exclusive groups, additional content, more podcasts, and a bunch of other things for just a couple of bucks bucks a month. You can make a difference in helping support the coaches panel. And if you become a mid-price or a breakout and even a premium tier supporter we'll kick you these podcasts a day early so you can stay ahead of the pack so who's at number 21 in the 50 most relevant it's a good question here's a clue for you three consecutive seasons of 110 plus in supercoach three consecutive seasons of triple digit averages also in afl fantasy and dream team he finds his way pretty much every single year at least in the past three, to be a top 10 averaging and in some years, overall point scorer. But as I look at the ownership percentages, as I look at the way people are trying to structure out their side, finding him is about as rare as a St Kilda premiership. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah.